welcome to the Theo Soul Podcast, where theology meets sociology along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. On today's episode, we're going to deal with Sunday School Sundays. This is when we set aside some time for Christian education. We'll go over a Bible lesson that includes the scripture verses, a brief introduction and background of the lesson, Then we will have an exposition that will give a verse-by-verse breakdown. Then we will have some summary, life application, discussion questions, and we will end with the DDR, the Home Daily Devotional Readings, for homework that will lead us to next week's Bible lesson. This Sunday School Sunday's episode will be the 13th and final spring series lesson for the month of March, April, and May. The lesson series have been talking about the ministry of the Old Testament prophets as we dealt with prophets such as Holder, Micaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Joshua, Moses, as well as uh, Isaiah's Old Testament account of Jesus Christ as the suffering servant. This week, we will close it out by dealing with Jonah, as we will look at Jonah as a fiery harbinger of doom. And the lesson setting topic is changing for the better. Our unifying principle is this. Change is often required in life if we are to live in peace with others. What can we do about life situations that threaten to harm us? After hearing God's warning from Jonah, the people of Nineveh repented and God forgave their sin. For our introduction, Jonah is the poster child for running from a calling. God called Jonah to prophesy to the people of Nineveh that they must repent or face Yahweh's consequences. There may have been several reasons why Jonah did not want to be bothered, but the one that glaringly sticks out is that these people were enemies. Jonah did not want the people of Nineveh to have the opportunity to repent because he saw them as enemies of Israel and, therefore, enemies of God. The story of Jonah is a reminder that our enemies are not God's enemies. In our previous lesson, Ezekiel declares on behalf of God, quote, all lives are mine, end quote. That is a reference to Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. This is a reminder that God does not participate in the partisanship that often we find ourselves a part of being. God is not loyal to one nation over another because all of us belong to him. This was one of the lessons that Jonah was being taught. As Jonah reached the great city, he went forth and preached across the city's entirety for at least three days. Interestingly, His message reached those great and small. In another way, Jonah becomes the poster child of the great wonders 
that God can perform through us if we avail ourselves. Jonah, who initially refused to go to Nineveh, became the one who was responsible for preaching the message that saved the city. There are many lessons embedded within this story, but few are made plain to us. As you read and participate in this lesson, think about the issues about which you resemble Jonah. I wish they were all dead, was a quote from an old deacon who said on the night of Breonna Taylor's killers were exonerated. The same week, Supreme Court Judge Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died. The Republican Party voted to replace her during an election year. And President Trump stated that no matter the outcome of the election, he would not vacate the White House. It was easy to see why there was so much vitriol from this older deacon. The same holds true for Jonah who had difficulty prophesying to the Assyrians. The violence of the Assyrians' military is well noted. They were known for burning victims and maiming surrendered foes, as is the opulence and degradation of their aristocracy. No wonder Jonah reports that their sins had escalated to the point of arresting God's attention. Thus, it is easy to understand why Jonah held such disdain for them that he would rather run from God than reach the Assyrians for God. Nonetheless, he comes to terms with God. Our exposition, section one, is entitled Jonah's Second Call. We'll read verses one, two, and three, then we'll stop and discuss. From the New King James Version, it reads as follows Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the law, Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Jonah is in a dilemma. God has summoned him to preach to Nineveh's citizens because God wishes the Ninevites embrace him as Lord and turn from their idols. However, Jonah is incensed with God because he realizes that the Assyrians, whom he views as the enemy, might repent and receive God's mercy rather than his wrath and retribution. Knowing Assyria's aggression towards Israel prophet did not believe that the Ninevites were worthy of God's blessings. Regrettably, Jonah believed that he could escape the mission that God had planned for him by going to Tarshish, which was considered the end of the earth. 
in that day where God would not find him. This plan, however, does not work. And God returns Jonah in the direction of Nineveh to complete his work. Now, God calls Jonah for the second time to go to Nineveh and proclaim the prophecy that would soon be revealed. Originally, Jonah did not want anything to do with the acknowledgement of his call from God. Whether he desired to avoid being a prophet or his lack of desire to serve as a public voice for God, Jonah attempted to flee from the presence of the Lord. The prophet's instructions would be very simple. Jonah was to preach the message that God would furnish. From Joppa, Jonah was instructed to travel 550 miles to the Assyrian city and declare the message to the people including the king. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord and traveled to Assyria's great city. The city was measured by the three days it took to traverse the city by walking. Notice that Jonah defines the city as a three-day walk. This describes the circumference of the city, its suburbs and other surrounding lands. Calling it a great city, Jonah is dazzled by Nineveh's magnificence and its dwellings and palaces. Although Nineveh did not become the Assyrian Empire's capital until sometime in Sennacherib's reign, which was from 705 to 681 BC, some of her kings lived there. Jonah did not trust the people because he felt they were unworthy as those who did not worship nor serve the living God of the Israelites, Yahweh. Nevertheless, on this occasion, Jonah displays a different attitude toward the importance of his mission as he seems to be, quote, all in, attempting to be within the will of God. Jonah recognizes that trying to escape God was fruitless and painful. He could have perished at sea or in the stomach of the great fish. But the Lord was the method to his destination. Jonah was now fully in the hands of the Lord. And again, his trust in God would spare his life in the land of Israel's enemy despite his gross disobedience. Section two of our exposition is entitled, Jonah's Proclamation. We'll read Jonah chapter three, verses four through six, and then discuss. Again, from the New King James Version, it reads, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth 
from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. If Jonah felt any trepidation about beginning this mission, it would have been felt when he began proclamation. Jonah must have sensed that the message would not be popular with the Ninevites because it was a challenge to their security. Yet, an obedient Jonah issued the message in 40 days. Nineveh would be overthrown. When Jonah speaks of a, quote, one day's walk, it does not necessarily mean that he traveled into the city for an entire day before preaching. More than likely, he started preaching the warning as soon as he reached the city and continued his sermon for the entire day. God probably gave the Ninevites this period to repent before he would deliver his judgment. God sent Jonah to Nineveh was, in, was to offer the people a chance to serve the one true God. Jonah preached for three days before traveling east and leaving the city. The people of Nineveh embraced the message and turned toward the Lord. Incredibly, they began to fast as a pledge of their submission and exchanged their robes for sackcloth, which was a sign of mourning or sorrow. It seems the people were united in their fear that Yahweh would destroy them if they failed. Because the Ninevites reached or reacted to Jonah's message in a short time, there are some scholars who don't believe that the conversion happened at recorded. Others doubt that the Ninevites were not genuine in their conversion. However, this is the definitive miracle of the book. God's sovereignty is unquestioned even amidst Israel's enemy. Section 3 of our exposition is entitled, Nineveh is Spared. We read Jonah chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. From the New King James Version, it reads... And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, 
and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Jonah's proclamation is extremely short. At this point, the king's issues his decree to initiate the fast, saying that no one, including their animals, were to eat food or drink water for 40 days. Making the resolution official, even the people who may not have believed in Jonah's message will be forced to obey the king's dictates or face the possibility of death. However, it seems as if the entire city was united in their quest to embrace Yahweh. Although the report does not specify any acts of worship or descriptions of proselytism, a miracle had to have occurred. The king commanded the people to turn from their evil practices, which would mean destroying their idols, altars, and high places to align with Yahweh's religious practices. Moreover, the kings decreed that the people were not only clothed in sackcloth, but their animals had to be draped in garb. What is clear is that the king was afraid of challenging Yahweh because he demanded that the people become urgent in their call and prayers to the Lord. Jonah reasoned that since the Assyrians had embraced Yahweh, their actions may keep them from being punished by God's judgment and wrath. Jonah's exclamation of, who knows, reveals that he is not sold. However, the king hoped that their visible acts of penitence would spare them from doom. Seeing Assyria cowed in this manner is astonishing because this was a violent and fearless nation whose cruelty was legendary throughout the civilized world. As the Philistines taunted the God of Israel, the Assyrians had displayed disdain toward any nation's gods, including the God of Israel. Additionally, Nahum vividly describes the violence by which the Assyrians methodically pillaged and ravaged the cities they conquered. See the reference to Nahum chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. However, God provided his mercy upon the Assyrians when he saw their deeds revealed that they had repented and turned from their wickedness. Several scholars, however, believe Jonah's message may have contained conditions that, if unfulfilled, would force Yahweh to rescind his leniency and clemency toward Assyria. Several scholars argue that God spared Assyria because the rogue nation would serve as his hand in punishing an unfaithful Israel. God never loved the sins of Assyria. However, he never failed to love the people. In the largesse of this scenery, God forgave Jonah and now displays forgiveness toward the Assyrians.
we do not determine whom God forgives. As we come to the end of our Bible lesson, here is some application and review to remember the key points. Jonah finally got to Nineveh. After running from God and ending up in the belly of a fish, Jonah finally repents of ethnic centrism and goes to Nineveh. In doing so, he prophesies to the people and they decided to repent. As they repent, God relents from his decided punishment against them. Nineveh's king declares a fast and a time of sorrow that they may not further anger Yahweh. Interestingly, the sworn enemies of the Israelites embrace Israel's God. Similarly, Israel God's, Israel's God embraces their enemies, demonstrating God is God of all. In Jonah's eyes, God had not conformed to what one would interpret as the basic justice standards. The enemy should have been treated derisively, with scorn and contempt. Jonah did not agree with God, and rather than be a part of God's mission, he tried to commit suicide by volunteering to be cast into the sea. As Christians, we may have questions about God's plan for our lives. However, we should never refuse to follow his directions. We should share the message of Jonah because it is unique among the prophetic books. Jonah's story is primarily a story of his experiences rather than a detailed record of his message. Jonah is unique because the prophecy recorded in this book is directed at a nation other than his own. For today's Bible lesson, our hashtag is hashtag undeserving. What warning have you been undeserving of? Share your views and tag us at CJCooper929 on Instagram and Twitter or Chad Cooper on Facebook and use the hashtag Sunday School Sundays as well as hashtag The Old Soul Podcast. Hashtag Undeserving. Discussion Questions. Have you had an instance in which you refused to obey God? What was the outcome? Can you think of some other biblical heroes God called to do great things for the sake of others? Talk about how God called them directive without giving them all the details. 
Consider Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, for example. How can we present God and God's message in such a way that we can, like Jonah, get people to follow God even before they convert to the faith? Can you think of any other biblical examples of people who repented quickly upon receiving a word from God? This has been another Bible lesson for Sunday School Sundays. We would like to take note that the Lord God Almighty has blessed and spared us to host the Theoso podcast as it has become a year since we started out of officially recording podcast episodes. We will try our best to actually live up to our name of being the Theoso podcast where theology meets sociology in terms of recording more episodes such as Sociology Saturdays as well as Theology Thursdays and Get Lit Fridays. We've been trying our best to be consistent with our Sunday School Sundays episodes. We understand that it is difficult to do a Soul Music Monday because we do not want to infringe on the rights of other musicians by playing their work because musicians deserve to be credited for their creative work. We are very thankful for a year and we look forward to season two of the Theo Soul Podcast. You could f- listen to the Theo Soul Podcast on many platforms such as Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and Breaker. As we said before, you can follow me, Chad Cooper, your host, on social media platforms. On You can look me up, Chad Cooper, on Facebook. On Instagram and Twitter, you can look me up at CJCooper929. My Cash App handle, if you would like to give and donate, it is dollar sign CJCooper22. This has been another episode of The Old Soul Podcast, where theology meets sociology, along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. Good day and God bless.